Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. And also these podcasts can be found on iTunes. We're so happy to have back one of our regular guests, Mr. Jim Smith, who's the president of GAN Analysis, LLC. Jim, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me on, Daryl. I appreciate it. Good, 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 good. I think my audience should know you, so we can, you know, skip the part about me uh, letting you tell folks about how you got started, because um, you are a regular guest. This is show number 10, by the way. Wow. So let's jump right in. Um, this podcast is being recorded on Thursday evening at approximately 5.07 um, on uh, June 25th. So this podcast will be up later on this, this evening. And you have some interesting things to talk about as it relates to the markets, the financial markets. And we're going to cover three themes today. We're going to talk about oil and S&P. We're going to talk about COVID and the Fed and the fight that they're having. And then the last thing we're going to talk about is silver and gold as it relates to the dollar. So with that, let's get started. So what's going on with oil and the S&P? Um, why are you, what's going to happen? What, what, what's happening? Well, there's a strong correlation between the two. Obviously, if the economy and the S&P, you know, take a tumble, there'll be less demand for oil. Um, and I think this relates to COVID in the sense that, you know, there'll be a uh, you know, fewer people going on vacation where they use up a lot of oil by flying or by driving. If, especially if you have a lot, some states are quarantined and, you know, there's talk about, you know, COVID on the rise. Uh, this is not what they wanted to see happen in the summer. Normally, traders discount uh, rising demand for oil in the summer. So if, um, you know, oil starts to turn down, which I believe it is, I, I believe $40, $41 area, strong resistance. If it starts to fall off, that would be an indication that maybe the S&P will go with it. So let's, let's talk about oil for a second. Um, it wasn't too long ago that oil had actually, <coughs> excuse me, had gone down to zero and even was negative, right? And so oil has closed today at 39.07. What in your opinion, do you think that the further COVID situation will affect the oil price over the next couple of weeks? Oh, I think, you know, there's a good chance that oil was sort of extended in on the momentum indicators, it was overbought. So, you know, perfect timing for a turn. Uh, we had the summer solstice, you started to see a little weakness. You have a couple other GAN cycles due here tomorrow, Friday, the June 26th. And, uh, I think both oil and the S&P are likely to turn down together. Um, I would look for weakness tomorrow. Even though we've rallied today, the S&P went up, oil went up. I think that's a head fake. And so tomorrow will be kind of a fun day to watch. And so you think that this effect will have, it will be a one day effect tomorrow or will it have a lingering effect over the, the next few trading days? Oh yeah, it's gonna go on for a while. So at least a few weeks, maybe a month. Um, you know, we'll see if it takes out key support levels on the way down, we'll have to monitor it. But you know, there's a good chance that oil could drop back to 3177 or 30, 
$31.32 area. We'll have to see what happens when it gets down there. Uh, and then we can recalibrate our view. So why did oil drop down to that zero number uh, not too long ago? What, what, what happened there? I know there's a glut, there's, there's ships that are carrying oil just circling in the sea um, and people couldn't deliver it. But um, in your opinion, why did it get down to that level? Well, it was just a supreme imbalance between supply and demand. And you literally had to pay people to take delivery because there's no place to store it. So, you know, they filled up all the ships on the sea. They filled up all the storage facilities uh, on land. So at that point, anyone who had storage facilities was in a position to demand that they get paid to take the oil. And obviously that was an aberration we're not likely to see that again soon because people know the danger and they're, they're not gonna take the risk and uh, actively speculating on it right close to uh, you know, uh, delivery. <clears throat> so, uh, so I think, it, it, mm -hmm. in fact, I would say it's probably a secular low for oil. I, I, I believe that's probably, it's very unlikely you'll see another minus $40 print on WTI. So you think, wait a minute, but, but what, today it's at what? Oh, uh, funny thing, now we're close to $40. So we're, you know, we were at minus $40 in the spring, and now we're at positive $40. We've had a pretty big were bounce we back. Actually, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Were we actually at minus $40? Yeah, that's what the futures were showing uh, at the spot futures at the time. Um, but, but 39, actually, some of them say 39 40 you know, right in there. Yeah, but 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 actually, uh, the actual price was what negative one, negative one dollar, right? No, no, actually, it went to minus forty. Minus forty, interesting. Yeah. Well, close to it anyway. That ballpark. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you have correlated. Why have you correlated that there is something going on between the oil markets and the S and P? Well, I think it's just. Uh, a simple case of, you know, we've had a huge rally in both oil and the S&P. They're both overbought. And we've got a tech stock bubble with Apple and Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, etc. These huge tech stocks have had a huge run up. So they're overdue for at least a near term pullback. So it wouldn't be shocking to see some sort of dip in the S&P, NASDAQ and the Dow. But in, in your, in your GAN, WD GAN analysis that you do, analytics that you do, I guess you don't look at the S&P uh, companies in the S&P sector that derive their, a part of their revenue from consumption of oil or companies that use the oil. You don't, you don't, look, you don't look in that direction, correct? Is that, no, is that correct? I'm not really doing that. I'm mostly just looking at the charts. And if I see a correlation, which, mm -hmm. you know, we do have a correlation, you can draw the chart and see uh, overlay S&P and oil. And if one of them goes down, usually the other goes down. So it's, you know, it's a nice setup. If, if we do get, um, you know, a sell off in the S&P, no doubt oil will go down and vice versa. If oil goes down, yeah, the S&P will probably go down. Okay. Okay. Very simple idea. Right, 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 right. I see. I see. And so what effect will 
uh, these quarantines, they're opening up, but now they're talking about maybe we should rethink this and shut back down. Uh, how, how would that, what type of effect would that have on oil in S&P? Well, obviously negative. Uh, if the economy is going back to what it was, where everything was shut down, that would be horrible. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But I think, you know, um, with rising cases of COVID, the potential is for some sort of more restriction, uh, you know, quarantines, et cetera. It's going to limit the amount of economic growth. And therefore, you know, the S&P starts to feel the brunt, which it did on Wednesday. You saw the big sell-off on Wednesday. We bounced back today. And then, you know, that's very typical. You have a very big sell-off one day. You get a reaction rally the next and then the following day, or maybe by Monday, we resume the downtrend because, you know, people realize, hey, this virus is not going away. They told us it was going to be not a problem in the summertime because it's hot and humid and nobody's going to get it in the summer. I don't know where they got that idea, but it obviously is not true. You know, Florida, Texas, uh, you know, cases are rising. So. Wow. Okay. Interesting. You know, you are so right. I'm looking at the chart here for oil. On April 20th, oil was down 37. It closed at negative 37.63. Yeah. Wow. Man, my gas prices should be, what, you know, 50 cents for a gallon of gas? But that didn't happen. All right. So um, what else would you like to, what predictions do you have for oil and S&P before we move on to the next sector? Well, I think, like I said, with oil, I think it'll go down to $31. And then from there, we'll see if it's going to break below that support. And for the S&P, I think it's going to, I'm going to be watching certain levels, you know, watch to see if it takes out the 200-day moving average. And if it does that, then, you know, you'll probably have a more serious pullback. Uh, We're not that far away from it. So we got reasonably close um, you know, on Wednesday, and then we bounce back today. So watch to see what happens tomorrow. And if you take out the 200-day moving average, then, you know, that's a red alert that, you know, we're going down. Mm-hmm. So with GAN, we're looking at the cycles. They indicate a likely turn, but you need to confirm it by some sort of technical support. If you take out that support, then you have a time and price setup. So the cycles tell you when you're likely to get a top, but sometimes the cycles don't work. So you have to filter it with the uh, GAN support lines, the retracements, or something simple like a 200-day moving average. So uh, just as a matter of record, uh, on April 20th, 2020, the S&P closed down a few points. Uh, it closed at 28.23.16, and... Uh, yeah, so it was, it was down just a little bit. But let's move on. Let's talk about this. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. COVID in the Fed. You said that they're having a fight. What is this war that is going on, in your opinion, about COVID in the Fed? This drag well, out fight that you referenced yeah, in our pre-interview. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like the rumble in the jungle, Muhammad Ali and Foreman or whatever. You know, Basically, who are you going to bet on? Mother Nature, the virus or the most, one of the most powerful guys in the world, the, the Fed chairman. And normally the Fed, everyone says, you know, don't fight the Fed. Well, Mother, Mother Nature might have a different idea. 
So, and, and honestly, I empathize with the Fed because I don't think there's enough in their toolbox to deal with, you know, a problem like COVID. You know, they can keep printing money, but at the end of the day, the virus doesn't care. You know, it's not going to go away because you printed more money. Uh, so, I don't know. It's a difficult situation. Now, I, don't, I don't profess to have a good answer for it. I'm not trying to politicize it one way or the other. I'm just saying it's, you know, Mother Nature versus the Fed. And I would be betting on Mother Nature, you know, if, if they can't get their, if the scientists can't come up with a vaccine, everything I've read says it's still a year out at the earliest, you know, I don't know. I, I think we're just going to have to live with it for a while. And I think the problem with the stock market is that for quite a while there, it was pretending like, you know, COVID had gone away. You know, they were saying, oh, no big deal, no big deal. And obviously people on beaches in Florida and, and Texas, you know, people were not um, wearing their masks. They're not, they don't care, uh, especially young people. And um, so trying to contain this thing is difficult. So it is quite challenging because <clears throat> this is affecting all businesses. The only business that's not being affected is the grocery store. And of course, you know, medical and, um, and, and, and policing. So, you know, we, we, we got to get back to work, but we got to be smart. So, in your opinion, has the Fed been too quiet about the administration's policies to try to curb this this epidemic, this pandemic? I don't really, uh, you know, the problem is, doesn't matter who the president is or who the Fed chairman is, you know, I, at the end of the day, it's a difficult problem no matter who's in charge because, uh, you know, people are going to do what they want to do. And you can pass rules and regulations and some people will obey it, some people won't. So I think ultimately we're probably gonna muddle through this for another year. And then, you know, hopefully COVID will just gradually disappear. I'm not that hopeful that we'll get a vaccine in time. I think it'll, you know, it'll just uh, continue. Well, um, as we know, vaccines take time. And you, you want to follow the, the protocol to ensure that uh, folks' safety is, is, is held at the highest esteem. But the reason why I ask the question is that since the Fed is controlling monetary policy and they're, they're trying to, to, to keep the country afloat, if you will, and, you know, and, until we can get this problem solved, I was just wondering if it would make sense for the Fed chairman to say, hey, we really need to quell this thing. So we need to really lock down, do what Italy has done um, and do what Korea has done to, to, to really get this thing quarantined. But I don't know. Uh, I'm just asking the question from a, a monetary policy standpoint where COVID is, has severely changed the rule book. Oh, it has. And, you know, uh, I did, there's just limited things that the Fed can do. They can supply more liquidity, uh, buy corporate bonds. They can actively go in and support the market. Um, but sooner or later, 
you know, if you keep doing that, you're going to create an inflationary wave down the road. You're not right. necessarily going to stop COVID. It's not mm -hmm. going to go away any quicker, mm -hmm. but you are laying the seeds of, for this new spurt, this new, uh, the seeds to a new rally in all kinds of commodities. And Maybe yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Jim Smith, president of GAN Analysis. We're at the halfway point of our interview, and we're in the middle of a very, very interesting discussion about COVID and the Fed having a drag-out fight um, as it relates to monetary policy. And so what you're saying there, Jim, is that this too much Fed interaction might lead to high inflation. Yes. I mean, it's not there yet. But, you know, obviously, I saw an article recently where they said, not just the Fed, but all central banks together, this year, they've done $18 trillion in monetary stimulus. That's incredible. It's hard to get your mind around that. So what does it mean if 18 didn't do the trick? What do you do? Another 18? Uh, my point would be a lot of people say, uh, you know, the Tina syndrome, there is no alternative to stocks. You have to buy stocks. Well, my, I would throw it back in their face and say, look, if stocks, you know, cannot go to new highs on $18 trillion of stimulus, what does that tell you? To me, it tells me you're getting ready to sell off because by all rights, with that amount of money thrown at the market, you should have seen new highs. You didn't get new highs. And that's where the GAN cycles come in. We had a lot of cycles due in mid-June, late June. We're right in the zone for a turn. And, you know, tomorrow's a special day, you know. So I'm watching closely to see what happens on Friday, June 26th, and Monday, you know, the following Monday. Because, you know, sometimes you go up into the turn and you don't see it actually happen on the day of the turn. It might be the next day. In this case, it might be Monday. So you have to keep a little open mind on that. But I'm convinced that all the money that the Fed throws at the market, if it's not working yet, it certainly didn't work for Japan in the 90s. I mean, you look at the Nikkei, it never did go to new highs, right? So if you want a, a parallel, an example from the past, you know, the BOJ in Japan threw all kinds of money at their market, stimulus like driving rates to zero, negative rates, and yet the Nikkei is still nowhere close to the old high. It got close to 40,000 uh, 40, 39,000 and change. So how many years ago was that? Well, pretty much 30 years, almost 30 years. Right, right. <clears throat> and I believe the Asian real estate crisis played a significant role in that uh, with uh, Japan yeah. trying to buy all of the premier properties around the world. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. I think they missed a good trade. They could have sold the Imperial Palace and bought the state of California. That would have been a good trade. Ah, woo. You know, at oh. the time, you know, it mm -hmm. was worth, it was that inflated. It was that crazy. Wow. All right. So uh, we're now going to move to our next topic, um, which when we first started talking, we started talking uh uh, a year ago, January, and you always talked about silver and gold. And But today we're going to talk about silver and gold and the effect on the dollar. So what's going on with silver and gold? Well, I think the interesting thing is they keep bumping up against serious resistance for gold futures. We have resistance at 
1788, you know, if we could get above that, I think we would go to new highs. Um, with silver, you, you have uh, resistance at 1871. That's still a little ways above where we are now. But if you take that out, you're going to see a big move up in silver. So, okay, you know, so let's put this in perspective. Many times. Let's put yeah. this in perspective. Silver yeah. today is what? I'm looking at the price, $17.93. What is a big move? And, and clarify that for our audience for you. For you us. could easily go to $24, $25. In what time frame? Matter of days, weeks. You know, I, I would say that there's been so much pent up demand. People can't even buy the physical because there's a lot of people want to buy silver. They can't get it. And so when you finally see the futures break out, it'll be panic buying because, you know, they won't be able to get the physical. They'll go after the futures or options or whatever. So I'm saying we're right there. Um, we've been knocking at the door and there's an old, you know, chartist view that the more times you knock at the door, chances are you're going to go through the door. So, you know, they keep knocking silver back down. It gets up there to resistance. They knock it down, gets up there again, they knock it down. Well, sooner or later, it's going to go through. And when it does, it'll be big. Same idea for gold. So. When you say the same idea for gold, gold is that I'm um, looking at the metal futures. It uh, is at seventeen seventy four, one thousand seven hundred seventy four dollars. Um, what what where, where do you think gold's going to be? I think gold will go to new highs, probably around twenty one fifty. Over what uh, time period? It could be in the next few months, maybe into year end, but certainly in a. It's potentially. It's possible it could get there in a matter of weeks, but. I'm not as bullish on gold as I am on silver. I think silver has much more potential for a huge spike. I don't think gold is really uh, as attractive. But, but you're basing that on, you think there's pent up demand for silver because you can't get the physical, so then you have to buy the, the futures. Well, that's part of it, but it's also ethnically, you know, you look at Pakistan, India, China, um, a lot of people in those countries use silver and gold as a, a savings. You know, they, they keep their money in it. They wear it around their neck or jewelry, etc. You know, it's, it's a way to save for a rainy day. Um, and you know that China and India, uh, you've probably been following that uh, border skirmish where I don't, I lost count of how many people died, but they aren't allowed to use guns in that that uh, border zone, but they're killing people with sticks and, you know, with nails in them. So, oh, ouch. Yeah, I know. It's a better, it's a better way to go than that. But yeah, that apparently is happening. Media isn't really covering it, but you, their potential is for that conflict to escalate. If it does, I think the reaction of a lot of people in the region would be to buy more gold, more silver. And, you know, if somebody doesn't have enough money to buy gold, they'll probably buy silver, you know, the average person. So. I got a question for you, and, and I apologize that I, I didn't cover this in our pre-discussion interview prep, but it just hit me. Does WD GAN, does it take into account social issues? 
such as what we are experiencing right now in regards to the protests that are, 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 are happening due to, unfortunately, um, you know, black folks being killed by police officers. Does, does WDKN look at that? Because that has some type of material effect on the markets. Oh, I'm sure it could, but I, I wouldn't say, you can't look at the charts and you don't always know why it's happening because mm -hmm. the charts don't tell you. All they do is they go up, down, sideways, and there's no way to know why it's happening. It's only afterwards that people infer the reason. They just say, oh, okay, well, silver went up three bucks. It's because X, Y, Z. You know, they're going to, what happens with fundamentalism, they always attach a reason after the fact. So when you get a lot of guys go on CNBC, they tell you the trade you should have done with 2020 hindsight. They don't tell you beforehand. They tell you after. That's called, right. Right. yeah, so it's kind of useless. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. Where were you yesterday when I placed this trade? Um, so looking back uh, over the next week, you're saying that you feel that gold and silver are, are, are going to be up and not I just believe, up. Yeah. Not, if, if we get above those levels, I mentioned, you know, right. 1871 on silver futures and uh, 1788 on gold. Okay. If you could get above that, then yeah, mm -hmm, we're mm -hmm. talking the spot future. So if right. we get and, if we get above that, we'll go. Right. And 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 what about the S and P um, over over the course of the the next week, or I guess tomorrow? And uh, hopefully and tomorrow will start to sell off. If not tomorrow, then on Monday, and that would fit with the cycles. Uh, and then you know, every day you might have. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Dow down a thousand points or 2000 points in a day. Um, I think you're going to sell off pretty good. I could be wrong, but you know, the cycles are pointing to an interesting top here in late June. So mm -hmm. I think potential is good that you will sell off. And do you um, think the fed is going to do anything over the next couple of weeks? Well, I think the fed will try to respond if they see the stock market slide is, is getting out of hand, they'll mm -hmm. come in and do something. And Congress mm -hmm. will probably uh, come up with another stimulus program very quickly. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe not quick enough to avert, uh, you know, because markets sell off a lot faster than they rally. So by the time Congress comes up with another stimulus program and, you know, maybe even the Fed won't respond quick enough. But the reality is when it happens, it will um, potentially uh, be very quick, just like in the spring. You saw how quick that was. Right, 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 right. Interesting. And so um, oil, S&P, you, you think they're going to stay in the same range over the next week? Well, I think they'll both go down together if I'm right mm -hmm. about my forecast. I, I, mm -hmm. You know, I could be wrong. Nobody's mm -hmm. right all the time, but... You know, if, if the cycles, you know, point to a near-term top, uh, they don't tell us how big the sell-off will be, but I think it'll be big for both oil and the S&P, although I think the S&P will sell off a lot more than oil. Okay. Um, right. So, if anything, I would be looking to buy the dip for oil. Buy uh, the dip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, for oil, not for mm -hmm. the S&P, but mm -hmm. for oil, I don't think it's going to sell off near as much as the S&P. 
So Jim, um, before we go, believe it or not, time flies when, when we're talking economics and monetary policy and, and, and the markets. Um, how can someone get in touch with you if they, if they want to take advantage of your services? Well, I would send me a, an email, James Smith, that's one word, at ganalysis.net. So GAN is spelled G-A-N-N, and then analysis, it's one word, dot net. So don't make it .com, make it .net, and that'll get to me. And just say, look, I'd like to hear about your services. And for what it's worth, I'm doing a promotional three-month trial subscription at a reduced rate. If they... If they send me an email, I'll tell them how much it is, and then they can decide whether they want to pull the trigger. But trust me, it's, uh, I don't really want to mention it over air because it's, it's uh, actually far lower than it should be. But okay. my point is to get people introduced to GAN who've never seen it before. So I'm offering them a sort of an enticement. Very good. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank our in-house guest, Mr. Jim Smith, president of GAN Analysis, LLC. Um, this is his 10th time on our program, and we will have him back because we want to keep him honest because we want to look back at his track record. Jim, thank you for coming on the program. Well, I appreciate it, Daryl. This is great. You're very welcome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up this week on Leadership with Darrell W. Gunter on WSOU 89.5 FM, streaming on the net and on the iTunes podcast under Seton Hall University. I want you to have a great week, but remember, leadership begins with you.